All right, so we are live. We got Joel Yi. He's currently in Mexico right now, but man, this guy's a killer. Uh, big stage speaking, high ticket closing, million dollar closing. <laughs> Joel Yi, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your context, uh, who you've helped served, uh, just so we get a little bit of an understanding about what you do? Hey, yeah, so thanks, Kevin, for having me on. My name is Joel Yi, as you already know. Um, I work, I've done a lot of work with the high ticket closing space. I started closing deals myself as a commission-based sales professional many, many years ago. Um, but today, what I focus on is I help uh, a lot of my clients in the coaching and consulting space build out really great sales teams. So like, high, like eight-figure, nine-figure sales teams. Um, we do anything from the recruiting, the hiring, the training, right, the scripting, sales process optimization to the closing of the deal to the sales analytics tracking so we do the whole nine yards essentially right and so before this call we were talking about your previous experience you worked with dan Locke. you had a huge team of over a hundred people which is absolutely crazy how did you yes. manage to manage that big team there and and you were talking about some figures too yeah so it was it was insane for sure i was young <laughs> uh, I was thrown into that opportunity. I was, I was very grateful. I'm very grateful with Dan for the opportunity. Um, you know, 110 closers and setters at peak. That was, I think, the, the number that we, we were at team size. And we hit about $40 million in sales a single year. Um, how do we manage it? I have to give a lot of kudos to my leaders, my leaders, right? So I was the sales director, but then we right. had sales leaders. So what I did was we set up pods. We had like 10 pods of 10 people each, right, for example, or 11 pods. And then each pod had a leader, right? That way, instead of me, because it's impossible for me to manage 100 people, you know, in, in the Army mm -hmm. doctrine, right? So I was a former, I'm a former, I'm an Army vet, U.S. Army veteran, uh, I was a former commission officer. In the Army, we talk about one, one direct report, sorry, one, one, one supervisor, manager, you can, you can manage seven direct reports. And so if you have mm -hmm. 100 people, that's not going to work, right? It's too many direct reports. So what we did was it was me and then I had two or three sales managers and then I had 10, 10 11 sub leaders. That way the leaders could report to the managers who then, so I only managed three people and then the yep. three people managed, you know, 11 people, which is a lot better, right? And then each right. leader managed like anywhere from seven to 10 people. So that was how we made it work. But it's obviously a lot right. that goes into it. Um, yeah. I can go, let me go, do you want me to expand a little bit? Yeah, what I'm curious there is um, definitely seems like you need a good leadership, A players there. So the three people that you manage, like what were some of the metrics that you were interested in uh, that were important yeah. for the growth for the team? Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, the, the main sales KPIs, right? You got total cash collected, total revenue generated, um, sales cycle, how fast we were closing deals. I was looking at the conversion rates of the teams. I was looking at the short rates. Um, those would be the main KPIs in the beginning when we first started. Mm -hmm. Right. And what kind of skill sets would you say are involved with managing a team that size? Yeah, so you said it first, right? The biggest thing being leadership. Um, what we found, and this is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would agree, if they've managed sales teams, they agree with me. You, you never want to make your top closer your sales manager because closing and management is not the same. It's a completely mm. different skill set. And when you take your top closer and you turn him into a manager, you, you hurt your sales because your top guy isn't closing sales anymore. So you don't want to do that, right? Um, so leadership, 
management skills. I think the other thing too is they have to be really. I, I make a joke all the time, right? It's not a fun. I mean, it's not a fun joke, but it's a, it's, a, it's still a joke. I say that sales management is like adult babysitting. So we're like <laughs> babysitting adult. I mean, and, and it's real. It's true because here's an example: if a closer had a bad night with his wife, right? Maybe they fought. There's some family drama. You know, and the next morning they wake up and they want to do their sales calls from home. Guess what? They're not gonna perform at their peak. And so, what do sales managers do? We have to coach them. We have to counsel them. We have to help them get through their family drama, right? We literally have to be like personal counselors, therapists sometimes. So it is. It is a. It's not an easy job, but it's a very rewarding role. I don't. I don't know what skill that is. Maybe empath. Maybe empathy. But it's like you need to be okay dealing with human beings and their problems. Right. It sounds like coaching is involved there. So, yeah. Also, mindset with getting them back to peak performance. So, can you yeah. think of like an example or a time where you had to get a salesperson that was in a slump to back to their regular numbers? Yeah. I can tell you,、uh, this is a very vivid memory today because his numbers were dramatic increase, right? And his name was MJ. So when I first met MJ. And MJ is from an Eastern European country.、Uh, MJ was new to our team. I think he was on our team for about four or five months, and he he was like he wasn't performing that well. He was like let's say making one to two thousand dollars a month commissions. You know, very very little, right? Basic one to two k、yep. is not much, right? US dollars commission. And I was like having one on ones with him. I was like, hey MJ, like what's going on, man? Like you 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 have put your potential. You you speak well. You want this. But clearly, something is holding you back. And what we found was it was actually a lot of、uh, uh, lack of self worth and self confidence because growing up as a child, he never had affirmations, or he never got to win anything, or he never got you know he never got experience like competitions, right? So what we what I did was I said, okay, MJ, for the next six months, in your local city, you're going to sign up, you're going to join. Any, any, you can join like competitions, right? Like weightlifting competitions. You're gonna join、um, marathons and stuff like that, right? Toastmasters club, everything. So he did it. He went to Toastmasters club. He went to weightlifting competitions, and after six months, he literally quadrupled his income, triple. Like he went from like one two k a month to like six k, seven k a month, right? And it came from it came from the self confidence, the self belief, the self worth, the self love. So that's a very vivid memory. For me,、oh, I love that. And and、yeah. so what I'm interested in is that I think as sales leaders, I, I lead a team of salespeople too. Is that、right. sometimes you do see them in a slump, and and the first thing that you think of is is just firing them. So what was、mm-hmm. it that you saw in him that made you、uh, make the decision to develop him and、uh, obviously give you good returns there? Yeah, I think that's a very famous saying.、Um, it's called the GWC. GWC is get it. Want it and capacity to do it. It's by the company called EOS. EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System, right? So, do you get it? Do you want it? And then, can you do it? Do you have the capacity to do it? So, every time I work with any employees, any independent contractors, any salespeople, I always ask myself, Does this person have GWC? So, number one, do they get it? Right? Get it meaning, are they maybe they're not the best closer. But are they willing to be coachable to become good?、Mm. Do they have、mm-hmm. basic raw talent? Do they have basic foundational sales skills? Okay, good. They can get it. Good. Next, do they want it? 
because some people don't actually want to be in sales. They're just forced to be there, right? They're not happy. <laughs> so do they want? Yep. Do they want to be? Do they want it? Do they want the role? Do they want the position? Do they want the job? And then the last thing is, do they have the bandwidth? Can they do it, right? Can they realistically do it? Because you know, I don't want them to be working another full time job or trying trying like five different other sales jobs, right? I don't want them to be taking care of their kids all day, right? So capacity. So I look at these three things before, and and even if somebody is low performing, but they have these three things, I'll work with them. I'll work with them to get them developed. But if they don't, you don't have these three things. You could be the best closer on the planet, but if you have big ego, right? I'm just yeah, we're gonna fire you. We're gonna let you go because you're not gonna get it. Right. And that's super helpful, too, because you, that's years of experience. You've you've probably seen closers come and go hundreds of them. And, and you yep. uh, came to this conclusion of the, these three things here. So so I think that's super helpful, actually, for people leading a team of salespeople. Yeah. So you were doing um, uh, you were a sales leader for Dan Locke for four years, had a big yes. sales team. When you parted ways, what happened next? What were so you working on? I started on? my own company. Yeah, I started my own company right after that. So. Uh, because my bread and butter was helping clients build sales teams, it was really interesting in the beginning because I, I couldn't really find, I didn't want another job. I didn't want to go right. from Dan and then go work for the next, the next coach, the next guru and become mm. their sales director. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, so I was kind of like, in a, in a way, in the beginning, a bit like soul searching. So I launched some coaching programs, right? I taught people how to sell better. Um, I taught people how to revive, you know, farm their dead leads, revive their dead leads. Um, but now, really interesting enough, interestingly, interestingly enough, I've managed to come back to building sales teams. But now the right. way that we do it is is awesome. I love it because we charge we charge like a five k a month retainer, five k a month, plus we take like five percent of the revenue, and it's great because I mean it's not like super scalable. I can't take on like five clients a quarter, right? It's a lot of work. But I could do three to four really well, and and we have a team now. We got like three three main partners, and a few sales managers, so we can take up to like ten clients. Uh, so right now, I would say we've we've gotten to a really good rhythm of helping other companies build sales teams. Right. No, I love that. And, and you said something there. You said sales farming, and I actually yep. checked out this training that you did previously with Brian, which uh, yes, Brian immediately. Wakata. I mean, just after a few text messages that that made, made me like ten k in sales. Uh, yeah. From 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 there that training, go. so that was super helpful. There we go. So what what is sales farming? And uh, yeah, let's start with that. Like, what is sales farming? Yeah. So I coined it farming because when I was at Dan's company, there was a quarter where when I was a sales, I was a new sales director, and he was like. I'm gonna give you the shot to become the sales director, but if you don't hit these quotas, I'm gonna replace you with somebody else, right? And I remember halfway through the quarter, I was like, man, I'm not hitting that quota. I'm about to be fired. Like Dan's gonna fire my ass. So I'm like, <laughs> um, you know what? Let me try to be creative. Let's see how we can get some sales. So I took, I had a few of my best closers, about five, five or six of them. I was like, yo guys, I believe, we, I believe I can help you make a lot of money, right? I want to help you make more money. I need you to do this with me. Let's, let's, let's create a bunch of email copy, right? A bunch of different email sequences, a bunch of different text message sequences, and I want you to do a bunch of calls, and let's try to do some voicemails too. Long story short, we launched that massive campaign, right, against all our list, all of our dead leads in HubSpot. And I would say in the next six to twelve months, we made over a million dollars for the company that the month the company wouldn't have made, right? So it's dead. 
is dead lead sales that the company wouldn't have got. Um, so I think that's the reason why I kept my job. I didn't hit the quota, but I helped the company create a lot of profit because we weren't spending money on acquiring those leads. We already spent them a while ago, right? They're already there. So I would say that was how it came to be. And yeah, it's really what it sounds, right? You're farming. So when you farm the land, for example, you, you have to plow the land. You have to make sure it's fertile. You got to plant the seeds. You got to water the crops, give it fertilizer, and then the crops will grow and bloom. And then you get to harvest the fruits of your labor. It's the same exact thing here. We got to make sure the cold leads, so all the leads that are cold, right? We got to warm them up, make them warmer, and then get them to a sales team member or closer, and then closer will close them, right? That's the same process. Right. And it's, it's sort of a unique twist to following up. And I know yes. that you mentioned as well that, you know, most salespeople, like they will do the sales call. Most of them, if they're good, they'll do a little bit of following up. A month later, maybe barely they'll do any follow-up. Six months for sure, they won't do any follow-up. Why sure. do you think that is? Yeah, because I mean, I think it's always easier to chase the new the new leads that are coming in, right? And I don't blame them for that because if, if your company is always giving you new leads, you always think, because here's the, here's the syndrome, right? The syndrome is a bit like, it's like a casino, it's like a new, maybe it's like a new girlfriend syndrome kind of thing. It's like, oh, I've been with this girl, you know, and then this girl, you know, I've known her for like, what, one year, two years, oh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I want that next thing, right? Which isn't, isn't the most mature way to look at it, right? Because if you understand how relationships work, the person you've been with the longest, you can develop the best kind of relationship over time. It's more fruitful. But, but in sales, we think that the old leads are, are useless. They're dead. There's no hope left. So let me chase this new thing. Um, I think that's the main reason. It's a very normal like, psychological thing that happens to human beings. We like new stuff. We always think new is good. right? They always say new is mm -hmm. better. But that's not necessarily true. right? Not everything new is good. Um, that's the first reason. And then I think the second reason is that people just don't know how to do it properly. They right. haven't done it well mm -hmm. enough to make money from it. So they don't feel, they don't, they feel discouraged to do it. Right. No, that definitely yeah. makes sense there. So you, after Danlock, you started helping businesses develop their sales team. So you probably looked into a lot of different sales processes, and that's, that's a, a big benefit there because you get to see what's working, what's not working, where yes. people are leaving a lot of money, uh, holes in their processes. What would you say are common things that people are leaving out in their sales process? Yeah, so the first thing is obviously farming the dead leads, right? A lot of companies mm -hmm. are just leaving their, their inactive leads inactive. Um, I think the second thing is not optimizing short rate. Because to me, like anything under a 70% short rate is very bad, right? It's very, very bad. So like if they're not optimizing their short rate to at least 70%, then they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, because, you know, if you just double your short rate from 40% to 80%, you double the amount of money you could make, right? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, and another thing would be not continuously hiring or giving training to your sales team. Because salespeople are like athletes. Why, what if a baseball player stops training for six months or a year? How can they be an, an, how can they be a, an MLB player, right? They can't. So you train every day, right? Same thing as salespeople. If they don't train, they just, do, they just do calls. It's not good enough. They need training. They need coaching. So I think these are the three biggest things that companies are missing. Right. 
So show rates, what's the lowest show rate that you've seen uh, for a business that you worked with? Uh, terrible, right? Like 30%, <laughs> 25%, 40%. like nothing there, right? No automations, no sequences, no calls before the day of, no, no, no text the day of, right? Like nothing. So people just forget. So that's terrible. Um, but yeah, 20, 20 something percent. Right. So yeah. text messages, sequences, is there anything else that you can think of that? Yeah, we do. Would we take do them from, yeah. yeah, I teach I teach two things for my clients. I teach them the difference between uh, human, like human reminders versus non-human reminders. So mm -hmm. a non-human reminder is the automations, the sequences, the text messages, the emails, right? But that's not good enough. That might get you to like 40, 50% short rate. But if you want to get to 70, 80%, you have to include the human, the human aspect to it. So mm -hmm. what does that look like? Well, I call, we call all our leads the day before. So if my, I have eight calls tomorrow, I'm going to call eight people today. I'm going to send them a text myself personally with maybe a video of my face. Hey man, Joel here. Just want to put a face to the name. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Boom, send it. So like we do a lot of personal touch just to get people to show up. And I think the one thing that worked really well for one of our clients, as soon as the setter booked an appointment, just create a like, little group chat with the closer and the prospect. Put them in the same group chat. Interesting. And the setter introduces the prospect. So now there's a three-way group chat that's already created. So all they do is to just hit the group chat to get the guy to show up. Very effective too. Yeah, that, that doesn't take too much work to double well, sales, triple sales at all. No, not at all. How, how do you know when... Um, when when your set your setters are setting appointments for the closers, how do you know if it's a qualification problem or it's a closing problem? It's um, for us. It's very simple because we have a lot of clear, quantifiable SOPs. So, for example, all of my setters and closers they close and sell based on BANT, B A N T, budget, authority, needs, timeline. This is a corporate sales right training process, right? So, on the mm -hmm. disposition on the note. Everyone is going to tell me the prospect's budget, the prospect's decision maker, the prospect's needs, and the prospect's timeline. When would they get started, right? Every single, right. every single lead. So I can easily show marketing, yo, marketing, we spoke to 5,000 leads this month. 4,000 of them have no money. I can, prove, I can prove to you with every single call and every single recording. Here you go, right? So I can prove that. Then alternatively, on the flip side, percentage of offers, right? Offers made. So mm -hmm. how many people qualify through BANT and the closer feels confident enough to make an offer? Because if the offer rate is high and the closing rate is low, that means the closer needs to work on their skills, right? Because if the offer rate is high, let's say your offer rate is 80%, but your conversion rate is only 20%. That means you're, you're not converting a lot of people you offer. That's a big problem. That's your closer skill problem. But if the offer rate is super low because people are not qualified, like the offer rate is 20%, yep. then it's not the closers, it's the leads. So we have a very clear way to tell based on these metrics what the issue is. Right. All right. When yeah. you take a look at the numbers, it makes sense there. Yeah. Bent, bent and offers uh, percentage. Right. No, that's super helpful, actually. Um, so you, you spoke about budgeting. How, how do you qualify for budget without making it sound like a salesy conversation? Yeah, yeah, this is a great question. Now we're going to sales techniques, which I train, I train people every day on, right? So what do, people, what do typical salespeople ask? 
oh, how much money do you have set aside in your budget, whatever, right? That, that, that's bad. That triggers a very negative response from the prospect. Prospects, they get defensive, their guard goes up, and they say, how much is it? Tell me how much is it first. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to give you my budget. That's the wrong way to ask for the budget. Here's the right way to do it. So, um, Kevin, we spoke about getting into Amazon FBA today, right? So let me ask you a question, Kevin. If Tom and the, and the coaches could get you to 10K a month, and you told me that will make you feel like an awesome father because now you can spend more time at home with your kids, right? <laughs> and that will take you away from work. I'm just curious, Kevin, how much capital have you set aside to invest in a business like that, that allow you to get to something that allows you to achieve that goal? So but the, way of, the way by me asking that way, you now feel more, you feel more wanting to give me that information because I've positioned your goals, your dreams, the feelings that you want. And I said that if we could help you do this, do you have any capital set aside to invest in your business? I'm telling you, you're starting a business. I'm not asking you how much money you have. I'm saying, do you have any capital that you set aside to invest in? Do you have any loans, any savings, any checking account, any credit cards? Now you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have you know, a checking account, I have two credit cards. Okay, well, I'm just curious, what limits are on there? I just wanna make sure that I don't waste your time or waste your money because I don't want you to get into a business that you can't afford. And then they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So. So the intention of me coming across that way gets people to really open up, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's it's not yeah. just the words that you're saying. It's more of the the frame that you're putting it around there. The frame, how you say it, it's everything, right? The frame and how you say it, the tonality, the body language. People can tell intention through your words. If I just ask mm -hmm. you, um, yeah, so Kevin, everything makes sense. You know, by the way, how much how much do you have to invest in uh, this Amazon training? You'd be like, okay, this guy's just trying to sell me. You're just asking me that question to find out how much money I have so you can tell me a price, right? People are not stupid. But if you did it in the way that I did it, then they'll be like, oh, wow, he really cares about me because he wants to know how much capital I have to start a business. He doesn't want me to get hurt in business. Oh, wow, that's awesome. See, it's two different things. Right. Yeah. That, that definitely makes sense there. And so that's budget. And how would you find out the needs there uh, that they have urgency to? kind of invest in that program. Yeah, I mean, needs, needs is what we always teach, right? Digging for pains, digging for goals, right? Like some of the questions that we ask is like, you know, why did you book this call with me today, right? Of, mm -hmm. of all the things you could do to make money online, you could pick crypto, you could pick dropshipping, you could become a copywriter, you could open up an, a website business. Why, why choose Amazon FBA? Okay, so you're earning 3K a month right now. Okay, and you said you want to get to 10. I'm curious, what can't you do at three? What is, it not, what is it not allowing you to do in your life right now? And when you get to 10K a month, what would that allow you to do that you can't do right now? And it's, oh, you know, I'll be able to buy like a new car. I'll be able to go on vacation. Okay, so let's say you go on vacation with your wife and your kids, right? Um, how often would you like to do that? Oh, well, you know, at least three times a year. Let's say you brought your kids to Hawaii and they look at you in the eyes and they say, Dad, you know, I love this. Thank you so much. You're the best dad ever. How would that make you feel? Oh my gosh, I would be like the best feeling ever. You know, I'd be so successful to that. That's how we get deep into the feelings of the pains and the goals, right? Right. No, I love that. Yeah. So we and always so... we always train our closers to go deep. The biggest problem, Kevin, that I found with a lot of closers, they don't know how to go deep. They don't ask deep questions. They just say like, "How much do you want to make?" and then they stop. How like, "Why do you want to make this much?" and then they stop. They don't go deeper, right? What would that allow you to do? What can't you do right now? What's the, what's the problem with what you're making right now? They don't go deeper. Yeah. Why is that? You think? 
I think number one, they've never been trained to do it, or number two, they're afraid to ask. They're afraid to ask hard, confronting questions. They're afraid to push mm -hmm. because if they push, they're gonna get uncomfortable. But every sales call is meant to be uncomfortable. You never should. You should never have a, a comfortable sales call. That means you're not doing your job as a closer. Because, for example, yeah. right? If I said, "Hey, Kevin, you know, right now you're making you're making three k a month, and you said you're married and you have two kids. Do you realize, Kevin?" That at 35 years old, you're making 3K a month and you have two kids. You're not really giving the best for your family. You realize that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, and you say you want to make 10K a month. Is this is this just a pipe dream or do you actually really want to do it? Because just saying mm -hmm. you want something is very different than actually doing it. So let me ask you this. What's the, show me your commitment. Are you, are you brave enough to get rid of your comfort zone and take an extra step of faith, take a risk to get to 10K? Or is this just something you want to do? Maybe it's a pipe dream. But like, I'm not afraid to call people up. I'm not afraid to talk right directly at them. But it's because I care about them. Because I really care about them, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's stuff that you can't just train in a day. It, it takes time to train your, your people. It takes conviction too. And it takes confidence, right? And it takes knowing the right intention. I think a lot of times people are afraid to go deep because they are afraid of offending the prospect or, or mm -hmm. hurting the prospect's feeling. But like, let's look, let's look at that problem, right? If you are afraid of offending your prospect, that means you are having the wrong intention. Your intention shouldn't be to hurt the other person. Your intention should be to help the other person. But I can't help them unless I get clarity from them and unless I get the deep why of why they do what they do. And I need to get that by asking deep questions. So I'm not, so, so I'm not thinking that I'm going to offend somebody. I think that I'm going to help somebody. So I have a very different mindset compared to some other people when it comes to asking hard questions. Yeah, right? and if you come from that, again, like from that frame, they can sense it with your body language, your tonality as well, that if you're asking these deep questions, they will open up. Intentionality, man. It's like, it's like I can even say this. I say this to prospects all the time. Hey, you know, Kevin, I grew up in a, I grew up with an Asian mom, and when I was growing up, I didn't understand why my mom would always physically beat me. I would have be bit by a, beaten by a stick, and I would have bruises, and I hated my mom. And then one day, my mom pulled me aside, and she said, "Joel, do you know why I'm so strict with you?" And I said, "No, but I hate it. Like I hate, I hate that. Can you like, can you please stop hitting me?" And she was like, "I do that because I'm the only person on this planet that actually cares about you. That actually gives a shit about you enough to discipline you, so you become a better person." Now. I might not agree with the way she disciplined me, but I cannot deny that her intentions were actually good. So I tell my prospects that, and I say, hey, Mr. Prospect, on this call today, when I ask you some hard questions, I'm not asking them to make you feel bad. I'm asking them because just like my mom did to me, I'm asking them because I really care about you and I want you to become a better person and have a better business, okay? Sounds good? They say, sounds great. Bam, I ask a, then I ask a hard question. <laughs> I ask a tough question. Easy, right? It's, it's just buffering the conversation. Yeah. Man, that's such a different take on sales process that uh, makes it easier when, you, yeah, when you're I, trying to help. Yeah. I don't believe in any of the hard selling stuff. I don't believe in the discount. I don't believe in the, oh, I have, I have five spots left. Like, I don't believe in any of that shit, right? I don't believe in yeah. hard selling and pushy selling. Um, I, I really believe in consultative selling and permission-based selling. So I think permission-based selling is the biggest thing, right? Do I have permission to speak to you directly today, right? Do I have your permission to share with you three ways how we can help you in your business? It's all permission-based selling. Yeah. It's more authentic as well, I think. Yes, 100%. So um, 
you work with these companies and help them with the sales process. I'd imagine that you probably weren't the first person to try to help them out or you weren't the first solution that um, they looked yep. to. How, how do Correct. most of these companies that you work with try to solve their sales problem, whether it's no-shows, whether it's close rates or the other metrics out there? I think the biggest, the biggest, like, the biggest reason why, like when we come in and we actually help a company win, I think the biggest reason for that, it's not because we're more special, we're smarter, we have better techniques. It's not because of that. I think it's because we have better leadership. Leadership in a sense where like, when I meet a new sales team, in fact, today, I just met a brand new sales team today. They've never mm -hmm. seen me before. The first thing that comes out of my mouth is, hey guys, I'm here because I want you to win. Everything I do is for you to win because if you win, the company wins and I win. But if you don't win, none of us win. So everything I'm going to do in the next three months is to help you win. Sounds good? I start, I start every meeting like that. Like letting, letting the salespeople know that I'm here for them, that I have, I'm advocating for them, right? Um, I think the other companies, the other vendors that come in before, they're very smart with their process. They're very smart with their techniques. They're very good at the, at the, at the techniques, but, but they, they, they maybe don't have that leadership. Mm -hmm. Like actually caring about their people, right? And I think that's a big difference, man. I think that's a big differentiator. Yeah. And uh, no, that's that's super helpful to hear as well, actually. So um, we're transitioning into, you know, where you were at before, where you are now. So what are some things uh, that's exciting you right now about uh, your career and what you're trying to achieve and your mission? Yeah, great. Great question, man. Thanks for asking. So... I've spent five, five plus years, right, almost six years in the coaching consulting space with like online marketing companies and digital marketing companies. Um, and it's been great, you know, I'll still continue doing that. But I think I'm entering a new phase of my career and my business where I want to go to emerging markets, right, in Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, right? And I want to actually go in there and help their corporate companies, software companies, any companies that needs a demo, right? A demo call, a book a call for a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I want to help these companies optimize their sales process because I know whatever we do on the coaching consulting space is actually pretty advanced. Pretty advanced. And if I take that and I go to Asia, we can help blow some businesses up. So long story short, uh, I see myself transitioning a little bit away from, maybe not a little bit, quite a bit away from the coaching space to more of that corporate enterprise sales space, uh, which is actually a bigger, it's way bigger market, right? That's a nine, 10 figure billion dollar type industry, right? I mean, uh, billion dollar type business, trillion dollar industry. So yeah. I see myself going towards that, that direction now. Yeah. What is it about that that excites you? Why, why do you see that there are some clear problems in that sort of industry there? I think first of all, it's 10X, man. I think it's my 10X, right? Because yeah. in the coaching consulting space, like, how big can I really get as a sales process mm -hmm. company, right? Maybe we can get to 10 million a year. Yeah, cool, eight figures. But, but I think in corporate, I could get to nine figures. Running a corporate training. For example, look at Sandler Training, right? David Sandler, he founded the training called Sandler Training. Most American companies, they use Sandler Training for all their corporate enterprise solutions, right? So for me, it's a bigger 10X and I want to build that kind of Sandler training in Asia, starting in Asia. And then the other thing is, it's a blue ocean for me because no one there 
I feel like there's no comp- much competition because I can go in and say, hey, I'm the one that has done all these things in the North American market, right? Uh, I'm Asian, I'm an immigrant, I led a sales team, 410 people with 40 million a single year, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it makes me very unique in Asia. So I think that's the also reason, very unique competitive advantage. That's exciting, man. I love the mission and I could definitely see you doing that and, and killing it. You, you've already Thank you. trained a huge sales team and you got uh, a lot of experience as well. So appreciate that. Dude, thank, thank you for your time. Is there anything else that you feel like um, you'd like to say? I think for anyone watching this video, if you're thinking about like doing sales or you know that you, your business needs sales, I just highly encourage you to always think about your prospects first, right? Like I, I know it's very cliche, but a lot of companies, <laughs> their sales teams don't actually give a shit about their prospects because the, the salespeople care about themselves. And that's a very, like, it's okay, naturally as a human being, to be selfish. We're all selfish, okay, I get that. You want to think about yourself, I completely get it. But on a sales conversation, you cannot think about yourself. You have to think about your prospect. So if you have a sales team, make sure you're training them to think about the other person they're talking to over the phone or on Zoom. That's going to help you get more sales in your business. Right. Awesome, man. Appreciate your time, Joel. And I think that was super helpful for the people listening, whether they're leading a team, whether they're closers, whether they've got an appointment setting team. That's super helpful. Hey, thanks, man.